Hey yo, this is LJ. And this is Jay Hen. And right now, you're listening to On Wax the Podcast. And if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes and you have to leave us a five-star review. You can also like us on Facebook and follow the podcast on SoundCloud and Stitcher. But if you don't, then we're going to have to put your ass on wax. Wax, wax, wax. And again, keep in mind that me and LJ are like 12. The one, either you made it or two, you're fucked. I'm not doing it on Sunday. I'm sorry. I'm going to exaggerate the fuck out of this. So we had one coach who had a permanent heart on all the time. <laughs> yeah, this shit's kind of annoying, though, but yeah. I'm buying your ass a thong. <laughs> yeah. Who would win right now? You or 55-year-old Jackie Chan? I'm about to throw the fuck up. He wants that little dick. Say it's the biggest fight of the year. They may be the best team in the NBA. Fun facts for you about dating. I think different women like different things. Not told oh, you anybody to. about this story what? in my life. On wax. got a special guest with us today he is a hall of fame referee he's a hall of famer he used to be a professional fighter with an impressive win 10 wins only one loss he's refereed some of the biggest fighters i mean literally the biggest fighters of all time from mike tyson oscar de la hoya canelo alvarez manny pacquiao floyd money mayweather the list goes on and on and on we got my boy Joe Cortez in the building. How you doing? Okay, buddy. How you guys doing there? Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So yeah, I mean, Everything's good. We, we were talking about some boxing. Let's go. Yes, yes, sir. So, so, so basically, we're looking into your story, and you have such a great story. Like I said, because you've you've done it all when it comes to boxing. Yeah. You've, you, you've refereed. You were a judge. You were a fighter. What what made you love boxing the way that you love boxing at such a young age? Well, I met a gentleman by the name of Gaspar Indian Ortega who moved to my neighborhood in New York back in 55 when he moved there. I was 12 years old. I met him. He didn't speak English. I was like his interpreter. So I helped him when I was 12 years old. He started taking me to the gym, my brother Mike. And before you know it, we got uh, involved with the amateur ranks. And the rest is history. It was Gaspar Indian Ortega from Tijuana. He came to New York, and uh, he's one that he's one that made us who we are today. My brother and I both. Nice. So, <clears throat> so um, how did your success in the boxing ring prepare you for a career as being a professional referee? Well, I wanted to be a world champion when I got into boxing. Of course, you know when you start out as a young kid. He is going to win the Golden Glove Championships, which I did on six occasions. You know, winning the New York, the Houston, the Nationals, the uh, Spanish Golden Gloves, and numerous New York championships. So, and on novice level and on the Open Division. And of course, you, know, you give it all you have. You go try to be the best. And my brother and I both won those championships and uh, went for the pros. I didn't make it into pros, even though I had a decent record, but. Um, after I gave it up, after I got married when I was 21, I saw I wasn't going anywhere. I was 24, 25, nothing was happening. Everything was too slow, and I was moving around with different managers. And I decided to get myself a real job. I ended up in the hotel industry, hmm. of which I did. And when I moved to Puerto Rico in 69 after I had retired. But then I took one more shot at it while I was in Puerto Rico. And I, I won my last pro fight, but uh, I decided that I'd rather stick with the hotel industry and make it a career. And before you know it, I got involved. I came back to New York in 77 after being eight years in Puerto Rico. Then I decided that once I started refereeing in the amateurs, and they came up to me and they asked me, Joe, are you interested in becoming a professional? So I thought I'd be doing this for six months. Being that I was only doing it for six months, I just thought it was not, not ready. They, they they pushed me to go to the pro ranks here at New York Athletic Commission. And uh, 
they promised that they would give me uh, work at a preliminary fight, so I didn't really show them to put me up in the car to get myself polished up. And uh, before you know it, I'm doing six rounders, eight rounders, ten round fights, mm-hmm. main event fights on national TV. Right. And then five years later, I'm doing my first world title fight, which ever prior to being able that fight took place in Atlantic City. So that was the beginning of my career, and I did it for 35 years, of which I felt that uh, yeah, 35 years was enough. And I just, uh, I gave it all I had, but the, the, the way you make it, to, make it to the top of anything you do in life, you have to give 100% of your of your ability. You, you just can't uh, say, I'm going to do halfway, I'm, I'm not going to study, I'm not going to go to the seminars. you got to do everything, you got to seminars. Right. Call your buddies and find out, learn as much as you can, and watch the professionals while they're working out there. And that's how I managed to uh, to get better. I kept working at it. I always wanted to be better and better every time I got it in the ring. And uh, again, I, I was uh, I was blessed. Right. I was able to do fights in the East Coast for 15 years. The Nevada recruited me out out here to Las Vegas to referee the major fights out here. And after 20 years here, so after I got inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, that's when I decided I think it's time for me to get ready to step out. I want to go out on top. So I went out the following year, 2012. I retired with the Canelo Alvarez, Jose Lito Lopez fight. Yes, sir. That was it. Yeah. And yes. I, I, didn't look, I don't look back. I would, I would look forward. And I, I'm a pocket analyst for ESPN. ESPN. Yes, sir. It. Yeah. Yeah, I've been with them for the last four and a half years. How how's that how's that treating you? It's pretty good, pretty good. I've already signed my third contract with them, so I'm okay. Okay. And uh, you know, we just go forward. I love doing that and I'm able to be in the mix. Always always people always calling me up, uh fighters and mainly fighters and their trainers called Joe, can you be part of our team? Can you help us out? And I once in a while I go out there and help out a little bit. And uh, there's a couple of guys up and coming young fighters that are just uh, sometimes make me feel like, wow, maybe I should have been a trainer. Exactly. I was <laughs> going to ask uh, that. I was going to ask that. That's something, yeah. since you've been a fighter, you've been in the ring, you know the ins and outs, you've never thought about being a trainer this right. at this point in your career? At this point yeah, in your well, life? You know, I, you know, I'm a consultant. I, I do help out from the outside. Okay. I, I, try to, I try to help out these fighters and... There's some, some things that are happening right now with some fighters that I may be to mix with okay. to, to, to be consulted and be, I don't want to get in there physically train them, but I could just, I could watch a fighter. I could just look at him. I can tell you what he's doing wrong, what he's sparring and uh, what we can do to help correct his, his, uh, his skills in the ring. There's a lot that goes on to it. A lot of things I can see. I've been around so many great fighters. And I've been in the ring with so many of them and been excited about it. So I can see where the adjustments have to be made. And uh, I'm pretty good at that. So when I, I see it, I don't, I don't say anything much unless they ask. If a trainer asks me, Joe, anything you can, you can correct us on, then I tell them. But I don't, I don't step on nobody's toes unless I'm asked to help. How, how much time did you think um, Conor McGregor would need in the boxing ring to be a fluent boxer? Uh, he wouldn't have need, need at least a couple of years, and okay, uh, right. but for what he was doing do that day with Mayweather, it was something that was a, a, a quick uh, trading program. I had him, I had him for five weeks. In five weeks, you go to do so much, and I, I would just basically try to teach him the rules of boxing. Right. I was not training him. I was not training him how to throw punches, how to slip and, and counter punch. That was not my job. If I would have been hired to do that, I would have done it. He would have fought much better. But yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't step on trainers' toes. They did do their job. I would do mine. But I, I, I saw that uh, that he needed more training on the boxing techniques. But uh, being here, he already has some MMA skills to help him to some extent. Right. But uh, part of the train, part of the training is of course building the stamina and get to get it to that level. And five weeks doesn't doesn't cut it. You know, some of these right. fighters, yeah. when, when they get ready for a championship, right, they're in there three or four months preparing, working their way up. In five weeks, you're barely just getting started. 
Right. So that's that's why. But he did good considering he did well for his first pro, pro fight against powerful power one of the boxer in in boxing history. Yeah, he uh, definitely had his uh, work cut out against him because uh, he <laughs> went up against you know one arguably one of the greatest fighters of all arguably, time. Arguably, yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I mean, five weeks was definitely not going to cut it for him to see if he can pull off the biggest upset of all time. So. Well, I think other than other than him, I think everybody for the most part knew that he was just trying to land one one flush shot. Yeah, yeah one flush shot, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he had a pretty uh, good three first three rounds. I mean, he he could have nailed. He could uh, crazy things happened in boxing. Yeah, I mean, he uh, I mean, he he caught Mayweather a couple of times. I mean, Mayweather yep. was just trying to figure him out. Mm-hmm. Like like we all do at the ring. When we go to the ring, we, we don't we don't go there right off the back bang. We wait and see what he's got. Right. You know, get get you know, get your timing just right. You got to make certain adjustments in the first couple of rounds. That's what Mayweather did. But so, this kid here, McGregor, you know you can't take nothing away from him. He made a cool hundred billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, who's gonna make a hundred billion dollars in the first pro fight? It's just know, two people. Some yeah. Some guys, some guys, some guys, they make $500 in the first football fights a lot. Right. So, you know. So, so you don't necessarily believe that Mayweather gave him those first couple rounds. You thought it was more of a figuring out period. Well, yeah, that's where it is. When you're a professional fighter, it's a, it's a, it's a, they call it the sweet, sweet science is because you have, you have to figure it out. And it's like, it's like a science. You got to put all the pieces together. Once you adjust and you get everything right, they say, okay, now I can go in this way. This is what I can do best. And you try something, see if it works. If it doesn't work, you try something else. At the, before you do it, you figure your opponent out. He says, okay, now I'm going after him. And so, but uh, you got you, you to have the conditioning and you got to have the, the skills and you got to know how to, how to make the move. Like a chess game, you got to know when to make that move. We have tried to enforce the rules more now than we did at the beginning. We watch out for the safety of the fighters. We started seminars, Larry Hazard and myself, and the doctor, Mike Savia. We started giving the first seminars in Atlantic City back in the 70, about 78, 79. We started giving our first seminars. We started getting referees together to, to teach re mechanics and positioning of the referees, knowing what to stop a fight, calling the ringside doctor. It's a lot of a lot of techniques that we had to use to kind of revolutionize refereeing. I mean, right. referees back in the day, they would let these guys take a pounding and they get dropped so many times and whatnot. Then it was mandatory once you go down three times, it's automatically over. And then before you do it, we said, oh, you know what? Let's eliminate our three doctor room. Let's, let's call it up to the discretion of the referee. So uh, like what I did with the Manny Pacquiao. And one by the Marcus fight with Marcus went down three times in the first round. So I let the fight continue because I saw he was still fresh. He was not really hurt seriously. Any other referee probably would have stopped the fight and nobody would have said anything. Mm-hmm. But by, by, by me not stopping it, and that Marcus ended up getting a draw and then they ended up fighting four times. So right. they made a couple hundred they made a couple hundred billion dollars with those four fights. And they said, Jack, uh, what's the name? Uh, <clears throat> Bob Rab said it best. He says, if Joe Cortez would have stopped that first fight, Marquez and Pacquiao, fight two, three, or four would have never happened. Exactly. I saw something, and uh, I saw something that, but that comes with experience. And I took a big risk by letting it continue because if Pacquiao would have hurt uh, Marquez permanently, they would say, Joe, with your experience, you, know, you should have stopped it when he went down the third time. I can't be to stop. Yeah. So you know, it's damn if you do, damn if you don't. But I, I made the right move that night. Yes, and, sir. Uh, is your job to protect the fighters, or is it to kind of help promote the entertainment, or is it kind of both? Like, what's the? No, no, no. We're not. We're not, no, we're not there to promote nothing. Mm-hmm. My duties right. are is to enforce enforce the rules uh-huh. and protect the safety. But the first and foremost is the safety of the fighter. Right. Second is enforcing the rules. Mm-hmm. So we're there to mainly is to protect the fighters. We don't want fighters taking unnecessary punishment. Mm-hmm. So this is what we do. We see what the fighters take. So when we have seminars, 
I just gave a seminar in my first page two weeks ago, and I had two fighters. I had a boxing ring where I was able to teach referees rape mechanics and procedures. I had a, it's a process. You know, when you do it a fight, a fighter gets hurt, he's taking too much punishment. You got to know when is it that you call in the ringside doctor, when is it that you move in, and uh, so I give you warnings for accidental files or intentional files. And, and those are the kind of things we have to work with, with referees. It's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Hey, and, uh, little I, by little, little, little by little, people start respecting you as a referee when they see that referee is on his game. He's, he's got the right move. He knows what to call a doctor. He knows what to stop a fight. Mm-hmm. He knows how to enforce the rules. Right. Famous famous words of Joe Cortez. I am fair, but I am firm. <laughs> yeah. I'm fair, but I'm firm. Touch him up. <laughs> yes, sir. Which actually... So, real quick question. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead, John. Um, when it comes to... What what made you choose the career path of refing and not judging? Well, I felt that... I it just... When I started refereeing in the amateurs, I just right. felt that it was... Uh, it was a, a easy thing for me because I, I do my way around the ring pretty much. I was okay. a, a technical fighter. I, I had good boxing skills, so I had good footwork, and that helped me be a better referee. But however, I was a judge, and I was a judge sometimes as a judge, and a referee sometimes I was a referee and judge at the same time when they only had two judges, and the third judge was the referee. So I've done both. Sometimes they call me to do a fight. I had to do a haggler fight one time, and they called me just to judge. I was saying a ringside judge in the fight. Another time they called me to do Michael Spinks, Larry Holmes, and number two in Las Vegas, and I uh, I was judging that, sitting at the seat. And I did also Roberto Duran, Shigley Lennon, and number three, I was judging that fight as well. So you know, they, I've been around, they, they've used me, but they, I said referee was better for me I feel more comfortable there. I feel like it was my domain. I feel real good at it. I yeah. said, this is what I wanted to do. So, like I, like I said, I did it for 35 years. What was uh, your most challenging bout that you had to ref, or I guess the most challenging fighter out there who, who uh, you had to ref? And why were they challenging, or why was the bout challenging? Well, there's, there's a fight that, uh, several fights, where you, when you come in up the aperture, ranks and you go to the pros, everything changes. And in the pro ranks, uh, when you see fighters fighting four-round fights and six-round fights, they can make it a little difficult for you because they're all over the place. In the pros, they, they basically have themselves pretty well set. But then you go into the bigger fights and really go into some fights that like referee where it'd be kind of controversial. And I'm sure a lot of fans will say, well, Joe, Victor Ortiz and Floyd Mayweather, when Ortiz got hit, you know, he got knocked out. But when I called time in, Ortiz wanted to shake his hand for the third time or hug him and kiss him for the third time after he had bought him intentionally. You know, a referee called time in. I look at the tag keeper, make sure the tag keeper saw me. And the, he, he nodded to me like, yes, you know, I told you signal. So I let the fight to continue. And before you know it, Ortiz is, as, a, as I'm looking at the tag keeper, like time in, and he, he says yes, and Ortiz went to hug him again. Boom, maybe they hit him. The kind of controversial, but Larry Burgess said it best. It was a legal sucker punch. Right, And uh, right. That's, what made, that's, what, that's what made it controversial. controversial. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, even Victor Ortiz and I, we, we've been together for so many times after that. And he's always said, you know, Joe, I apologize what happened that night. I don't know why. My trainers told me to headbutt Mayweather intentionally, <laughs> and and that's what caused all that. He said he, he got away from all those trainers that he had. The whole team he got rid rid of them. He, just, he didn't want to be with them anymore. Right. But he's a real nice guy. He's a real nice man. We had him on the show with us on ESPN, and he confessed out on the air. You know what happened that night, and he apologized again. I said, Victor, forget about it. That's history. Look forward. You got a great career ahead of you. And he's a nice guy. I, I, I love him. He's, he's such a nice young man. He still has some gas in the tank. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's, it, yeah he still does. He still got some, something left. And I think he's coming. He got a fight coming up soon, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, he should be doing okay. 
I want to see him versus Brandon Rios. I think that's the fight to make. I know there's a fight coming up with him in the Texas someplace, but I'm mistaken. Oh, really? I yeah, he's been. Next, I went to his fight I in San Antonio. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think he's fighting in in June, May or June. I'm not sure, but he, I saw his name someplace. So again, you've, you've literally refed the biggest names in boxing. Is there a, is there a boxer that you have not? Had the opportunity to ref that you that you were like have on your bucket list to to ref one of his fights. Uh, I mean, I did everything about everybody. You know, I never refereed Vojo Jr. I never refereed uh, Muhammad Ali. I never refereed Tommy Hearns. That's about the only three guys that I can recall that I never refereed. Wow. Or what about and, from uh, from 2012 to today? Is there any is there any new talent yeah. that you're like, man, I wish I I could have definitely ref yeah. with this guy. Yeah, Brian Garcia, Keith Thurman, Earl yeah. Spence. There's a lot of young talent out there. Like I said, I don't look back. I, I, I enjoy watching this young talent out there. I keep on trading degrees, which I do. And uh, I travel around the world, give you seven hours teaching. And that's what I focus my on. We're helping out the other referees to get to another level. What a base. Boss is in good hands with good officials, good referees. Right. So that's what I really enjoy doing. And uh, we get a lot of young talent out there today. What the way division is, have a, a, a bunch of young, tough. Oh, here's about every what way into top ten. They, they're outstanding. Every bang back in the old days, when you look at the rankings, some of the top ten they were all win champions and the world. Going in that direction, then you got the division, the middleweight division looking really good. As you saw last night, uh, you saw Danny Jacobs uh, defend uh, or beat this kid from the, the, the Polite, and uh, his name is uh, the Colic. Right, yep, that was and, uh, past Saturday. Whatever it is. And uh, he looked he looked good at the, 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 the Polak gave a tough, tough fight, but, but uh, Jacobs looked outstanding. Put it in the party down the 12th round. He sealed the, the deal, but he won you know, eight, eight of the 12 rounds easily. So, so uh, there's a good good time out there. The young super uh, by the way division looking good. They're looking what's, really what's, good. A lot, a lot of great young talent. What's right. neat about having you on is I get to ask you this question, and this is a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody that that's really like, in deep into boxing do you personally have an all-time list considering that you know you always hear so much debate about you know he's the best in his era he's the best in his era you you've got to witness several different eras do you do you personally have a an all-time or do you think that's not fair considering there are so many different eras of boxing well you know i could mention i throw a bunch of days right out there right now i can tell you she's away one of my favorite Muhammad ali and then looking back now at the list, if I go back, when I was refereeing, I couldn't have any favorites. I try to stay away from that. It's a fine line where you say you have a favorite fighter. So as a referee, you got to be there and be neutral. You got to be like a judge of the quarter. Neutral, you know, to both fighters. I got to do bell rings. I have to get who's the winner. You just raise your hand. But yeah, you love to, I love the sport, but I don't think like a fan. I think like a, an official. But uh, if I can look back at a bunch of the sugar letter, Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, you know, Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, uh, Ernie Shavers, Ernie Shavers, who I was with last night for dinner. I took him and his wife out for dinner last night. Ernie Shavers is the hardest hitting heavyweight in the history of boxing. You know, he fought Ali with 50, nice. he went 15 rounds with Ali. The 15 rounds he went with Ali, Ali said it was. Uh, it was like a nightmare fighting at Hoodie Shavers. And he, he looks good for his age 73. He still looks good, healthy, sharp. And uh, there's so many great fighters that you got. Wilfredo uh, Dorman, Sanchez. I look at a guy too right here. You had uh, uh, there many great fighters. Uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson was really I think the top of my list. Who who would you put uh, ahead of one of one another uh, between Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather? Both have several different uh, you know credentials and accolades. Yeah. Well, you know what? I gotta go with with uh, 
with Mayweather. You know, okay. Pacquiao's a good fighter. And uh, Mayweather, when they fought, you saw what happened. Right. Mayweather's a real real slick, smart boxer. And uh, and Pacquiao, you know, and, and he's all... And he's all right. He's one of the outstanding fighters. It was also an honor for whatever three, three of his fights or four of his fights. Yeah. And uh, there's so many, so many great fighters out there. Manny Pacquiao definitely one of the great ones that I referee, for sure. You know, he got to be one of the top 15 of the close to 200 world championship fights that I referee. So I mean, yeah. there's so many great champions that, that I referee. I forget so many of them, but there's, there's so many great ones. We have Rafael Gomez. With Fredo Benitez from Puerto Rico, and uh, uh, Ruben Castillo from Mexico, uh, so, so There's so many great fighters in the history of boxing. The last right. uh, five, five decades is just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I want okay. I want to be um, respectful of your time, but um, real quick on that note, what, what how do you feel about Floyd Mayweather's style? He gets so much backlash. It kind of tarnishes, you know, his legacy and you know all of his achievements from from a, a professional fighter to a referee judge. How do you how do you like Floyd Mayweather's style? Well, Floyd Mayweather is a fighter. He's uh, what they say in the it's called a sweet science. Right. The name of the game is hit, hit, and don't get hit. Exactly. Now, Ray Rom Ray Robinson was a type of a fighter, but he was a little bit more excited because he would. He would kind of slug it out more, a little bit more. People want to see like a, a Mexican-style fighter. When they call Guerrero, who comes to fight and stays in there with you. And, and you know, Mano a Mano, Roberto Duran was that kind of a fighter. You know, you say Roberto Duran and Mayweather, if you ask me who were with there, I got to go with with with, uh, with Roberto Duran. Duran had, had both. He had the skills. He don't get hit, but he was also a very aggressive, hard puncher. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Mayweather would have been able to withstand that kind of a pressure and power at the lightweight division. Even at the welterweight division, you saw what, what he did with Sugar Ray Rob, with Sugar Ray Leonard, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I remember refereeing him as well. I refereed about four or five times. One time I refereed him against Iran Barkley for the middleweight championship. He ended up putting uh, Barkley down the 11th round and winning a decision over Barkley to become middleweight champion of the world. The man was champion with Brother Durant, 135, 147, 154, 160. The man had it all, you know. And, uh, I, you know, Mayweather's a great fighter and all that, but if you compare, look at two fighters, you got to look and say, wait a minute. I think Durant, you got to go with Durant because of the aggressive and slick, great movement in the ring. He was a, he didn't get hit as much as, a, as a other fighters out there. He had good defense. Yeah, good quick hands and good power with either hand. On that same note, um, I have I have to ask, and and if you if you can't give uh, an answer, then I think that's fine. But what was it like in the the McGregor sparring session, considering that there's two completely polar opposite stories? You have one saying that he dominated, but he just got a lucky shot off, and then you have McGregor and Dana White and everybody on their end saying that. You know that that they've dominated for twelve rounds. I mean, seriously, uh, completely opposite. You know, sides of the story. You were there. I know during like the buildup of the Mayweather fight, you weren't able to speak on it. Are you able to speak on it now? Uh, I can speak to some extent. I can tell you that it was a. Were you talking about a poly battle analogy? Yes, sir. But it was part of the, those those sessions were brutal. But Paulie, remember, he had retired. He came back. He didn't come back. He went out in tip-top shape. But he came. He got off for play, and twelve hours, ten hours later, uh, he was sparring. Sparring with, you know, right. we do. He was out of good shape. But he, when he went down, it was kind of a push, punch type of a thing. Uh, a referee would probably call it a don't knockdown, you know. But it was, it was, they were going at it pretty good, and uh, I mean, they, it got to the point where I had to stop them. And call timeout and bring it together like I do with a fire. You guys got to stop this. You guys got to give me good sportsman like contact. Because they were going at it verbally. They were really, I mean, anytime they had a chance, they were like, really want to knock each other's head off. So, so, put a stop to that. So, both were holding their own. There was no lopsided either which way, not lopsided from Connor, not lopsided from Polly. It was pretty, pretty evenly matched. 
Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. But that's why I would say that after the fight. I said, you know, now is a good chance for Paulie, who was upset. And I don't blame him because they, they, they capitalized on those pictures when he was on the canvas. For he sure. Or he was, you know, and they, and they tried to make, make, make him look bad. But uh, he didn't like that part because he, you know, they want they to use that for the for their publicity. You right. Know, like he put he put Balaji down. And he, he didn't put him down. It was more of a push than anything else. Right. Paul is, you know, a two-time world champion. And uh, Paulie did not come in there to come in to, to have a war. He could be there to help this guy out. But when they started playing those kind of games with the photography, I, they, they, they didn't like that to, to, to put their big bell and doggy look bad. And nobody wants to make anybody look bad. Right, you know? it, no, I thought, I thought yeah. that was a, a bad look for for Team McGregor. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. he seemed like yeah. he was coming from a sincere place to help them, and like you had mentioned, yeah. like like working on his punches and his slipping and, and you know his footwork. He yeah. he came in with really good intentions, and I get yeah. uh, Connor may have got you know overly excited because he may have caught you know Polly or you know the push, yeah. but yeah. I just did I didn't like the way it looked. Um, real yeah. quick yeah. on but, that, on, but, go ahead with that. I was just think, thinking, like, is is that why you don't think that they released the whole tape? Is because it was a close to a 50-50? Oh, I don't know why they didn't release it, but I can tell you that uh, uh, Paulie is a, is, a, is a good friend, a good a good man, good great for boxing. Yes, he, was a, he was a very he was a decent fighter, and I believe I refereed him a couple of times in the past. And sure. I take my hat off to him because I respect him, and I think uh, he's he's good for boxing. I like what he was doing on Showtime as a, a boxing analyst, as a commentator. He did a great job there. One of the best. He's a great he commentator. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, he knows his stuff. You know, he could call yeah. it the way it is because he's been in there. Nobody better than a ref, uh, a fighter who who been in that ring, been two-time world champion. Yeah, just like uh, you should have George Foreman and you got Bernard Hopkins. You got uh, Roy Jones Jr. These guys, they all been great commentators because they were, you know, boxers that, yeah. that do the sport, know how to qualify. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when it when it comes to um, like LJ was mentioning earlier about selling a fight, do you do you think that lines can get crossed? I, I mean, there's several times that Connor said some controversial things to Mayweather. Mayweather just said controversial things to Connor. Even like if you watch this most recent fight with Adrian Brown, Jesse Vargas. Adrian Broner said, you know, or even Adrian Broner and, you know, Paulie Malignaggi. I mean, the list continues with, with some of the dirty, you know, smack talk. Do, do you do you like it because it sells the fight, or do you think boxing does not need that type of trash talk? You know, I don't mind them doing this before, like the Carters were doing it with Mayweather before the fight. And you know what? The reason why they make so much money was because of the promotion, right. the promotional team. Where they were advising him to say, Conor McGregor was good at it. He was really good. He's one. He's one that really was blabbing his mouth off. And people, people, more people, he, more people buying tickets like crazy. He was the largest grocery comeback event in the history of the sport because McGregor had a lot to do with it. If he would have been quiet and humble, they probably would have made a happier about that they made. Maybe right. not even that. <laughs> so. But when it comes to the decisions at the end, when the fight is over, you embrace each other. You know, everything stops there. You, know, you did what you had to do. You said what you had to say. And now you see at the end, uh, you saw Broder and, and Jesse Vargas. They embraced, but then Broder said something at the end he didn't, that he didn't have to say. You know? Right, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's why, you know, some people, sometimes they, they, they're a little over over. Heated, they get upset about that. They get to win, they got to draw. But they say something that they should be saying. But uh, in this sport, you have to be, uh, you know, respectful towards your opponent and, and watch your words, what you say, because the fans uh, kind of don't like that. They're, they're not buying the promo where, you know, I'm going to beat you. And Muhammad Ali was good at it. Right. But he, it, was, it, was, it was a line that he didn't cross. And he could do like Muhammad Ali used to do. He was kind of, comical in his ways, but he made it entertaining as well. And the people, oh, they're gonna shut, they gotta shut this guy's mouth up, you know, but and at the end, everybody loved it. The whole world just loved him as the number one sports figure in the history of any sport. Might have been the most loved figure in the sport with Muhammad Ali, of any sport. 
So, but he did it the right way. See, he did cross certain lines. Exactly. And I never, never heard of Muhammad Ali talk with any uh, derogatory ways or dirty words. It does not his style. He was just comical. Exactly. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Okay, so so we're on the same page there. I I just have one more question for you, Mr. Cortez, and I I apologize we went over our time, but um, one more question, just specifically about being a referee. As a referee, I mean, you you're in a pretty tough position because it seems like with not only yourself but just all boxing UFC referees. I know some of the UFC gets uh, bad reps for, like you mentioned, not stopping the fight soon enough, right. or whatever the case is. Yeah. Do you think that you know it's a tough job because when we hear about referees or when when they get mentioned, you know, before or after the fight, it's typically criticizing a decision they've made. How does that impact you as being a rep? Did it ever affect you after the fight? Did you ever like? you know, take time to really take what they have in consideration? Because I know based off what you said, you, you know, you know the ins and outs. You know how to, of course, the rules. But, you know, hearing some of the negative criticism or the feedback that you get, does that impact you as a referee? Right. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, you know, in this business, you have to learn <clears throat> going in. It's easy to save a person like me because I've been here so long. But you got new referees that are coming in. I had a referee recently made a mistake in the fight, and I got a call from somebody. Joe, you better call this guy up. He made a bad call, and he don't know what to do. He feels so bad about it. And I, so I call, I call about next morning. I was one of the first guys to call him. <clears throat> it was out of out of the country, and I called him. I told him, listen, you know what? Uh, we all go through certain stages in our careers as referees, and I'm going to tell you, I've been there. You know, when you make a call, sometimes you, you question your call. Sometimes there's a call, sometimes a, a doctor will tell you to stop a fight, and uh, I don't want to really stop it because I know a puncher can get hit with a punch, and, and, and the doctor, you got to stop it because of that punch. And I just thought it was not a, a serious enough punch to stop a fight. And then fans were criticizing me because I had to disqualify the other opponent because he hit him he was down, but it was a nothing punch behind the head. So I've been, I've been there, and I said, well, you know, you have to do what I have to do as a referee, but I'd have to get a doctor overrules me. I said, I'm going to take a point for that guy, two points for the head punch behind the head. But the doctor said, no, you got to stop it. The doctor told me you got to stop the fight. Then now my hands are tied. Now I know the fans, because the announcer announces, referee Joko has to disqualify this fighter because of the punch behind the head. And the fans are booing. They say, oh, that was a nothing punch. I really forgot what a fight it was, but anyway, it happened one time. So I've been there, and I know what you guys go to right. and get criticized, but, but you got to say to yourself, you know, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, nobody's perfect. I was telling referees when I get seven out, is that if, is when. It's going to happen. Right. You know, you're going to make a little mistake, and people are going to criticize your media, going to go after you. So you got to tell them, listen, deal with it. Try not to read about it. Stay away from the internet. Don't read all this negative stuff out there because it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. Don't, don't even read it. You know, just go out with your job. I said, don't look at the rearview mirror. Look forward. Well, I said, yes, the back there, forget about it. You got to keep going forward. And I think that's a lot of these referees are learning how to deal with the. Well, like I said, it takes time to adjust to the criticism for the media. And now I'm on the media side myself now. You know, be an analyst or a journalist, I write a column in Spanish for in Puerto Rico every week about fights and and have results and I have to that be a little bit open but I, I know I don't cross the lines I don't throw my colleagues under the bus but right. I do make right. adjustments to to try to explain what happened and if a fighter may I referee made a mistake I try to explain it sometimes you had a blind side you miss that angle you miss you miss a punch that was thrown and uh, the replays, you know, we all have the luxury of watching fights on TV with see other replays. But when you're in the ring, you don't have that luxury. You're, you're stuck. You got to make a, a quick decision. Exactly. I got hit. Or he didn't get hit. Was it a slip? Or was it a punch and a slip at the same time? Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. did he get his foot? Did he get his foot stepped on? We didn't see it on TV. I hope we watch it. They go to the replay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they stepped on his foot. Yeah, Different angles. Yeah. Yeah, and we Very say, what the hell was the referee watching? But you, but you know what? The referee the ring doesn't have that. Right. He doesn't have that luxury. He, he got he to make a split-second decision. How would you feel about... 
how would you feel about instant replay for boxing? It's in almost every other sport. It's gonna it's in the works right now. Really? It's okay. in the works. It's gonna wow. be happening. It's gonna be happening. Yeah, it's gonna be happening real soon. Hmm, awesome. I, uh, I I I I'm hoping to uh, be part of that. Uh, it's happening. It's gonna happen soon. But we're gonna have the instant replay instead of the referee. Like I said, referees are human. Exactly. I hate to see a, yeah. a headbutt and the referee said it came from a punch. If the referee doesn't see it, he can't call it. Right. So then you got to say, okay, I didn't see I didn't see the headbutt. I didn't see it. So I assume it came from a punch. And that's not, that's not fair for the fighter to lose his title because the referee didn't see because the angle he was at. So I think it's only fair to say they do it in all other sports. They call timeout. You send the fighters to do two corner. Okay, then look at that replay. Okay, yes, it was a headbutt. Okay, good. Next to that, if you got to stop the fight, you got to stop it because uh, it was from an accidental headbutt. Now you go to the scorecard, who's ever had wins. But it'd be bad for you to stop the fight and say he loses by technical knockout because of the cut. You know, it's not right. Yeah. So you're going to be seeing some changes happening real soon. Awesome. I'm real soon. I'm, I'm talking about real soon. Yeah, I definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well, like I, yeah, I was saying, like I, like I mentioned. Um, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I definitely respect your uh, your uh, your current job or your, your your job as a ref because, as you said, it's like really tit for tat and like very like 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 very split second that like you have to make these decisions and whenever you get it wrong, it like seems like the like all the fans kind of point the finger at you. So like you kind of have to be that like person to be able to like take the negative criticism and continue to like do your job, you know for the next fight or like for the next game. So I've always respected that. Well, you know, referees. I said that, I, I say that, you know, even though I see all this negative stuff from fans out there, honestly, you know what? I love, I love all the fans, whether they hate me, love me, you know what? It's a sport. It's a sport that I, that I love very much. And I respect the, the opinions of the uh, fans because that's the way they see it. And they have every right to say how they feel. You know, now if they had the time to listen and say, okay, this is the way Joe saw it, and this is the way the rules go in boxing, well, we didn't know that. We didn't know that that a fight could be stopped by the doctor. It was it was the doctor who wanted to stop it. It wasn't even the referee who wanted to stop it, but he has to go with the doctor and make the referee look like the referee did a terrible job. He disqualified the fighter, but it wasn't the referee who disqualified the fighter. Those are the rules, and because the doctor tells you to stop a fight, as much as I know the fight should continue, I can't overrule the doctor, so it makes me look bad. And the fans say, "What well, a lousy referee disqualified this fighter." That was not my intention, but see, the fans say, "Oh my God, I would have known that. I didn't know it was like that." So these are things I say. The fans have every right to to bitch about something, but you know what? I say like George Foreman says, you know. There's a book that George Foreman wrote that God in my corner. And you have to learn how to forgive. If you don't forgive people, you're going to be walking around angry all the time. Right. So even though people said bad things about me, I forgave them because I'd be, I'd be a very angry man today. And I honestly feel if only for the fans, the good ones, or the bad ones, boxing will be where it's at today. I think boxing really had the right. I love all the fans. Whether they're right or wrong, they're fans. They have every right and I respect them. You know, and boxing goes forward. And I just love what I did. I wouldn't change anything about my career, that's for sure. Right. Right. Well, like I said, we, we definitely went over on the time, so I do apologize. But um, we had so much to talk talk about. Mm-hmm. You are seriously a legend in the sport. Like I said, Absolutely. whether it's refereeing, you know, you you being a boxer, judging. I mean, with, with the type of boxers that you've been in, in involved with, you seriously are a landmark in the sport. We had to get you on. Um, what made it so comfortable to get us on is Richard has nothing but great things to say about you for months, and he'd always talk, hey, tell yeah. me, tell you that uh, he'd talk to you and just talk boxing with you. And he said what what made what made him really love you as much as he did is y'all just talk about life. Y'all don't even talk about sports. Y'all just talk about life. Right. And he, he has he's nothing. A nice but the, band. He's a nice young man. He's a nice man. I'm in Hawaii. Uh, I was living. I had a place in Hawaii, uh, my second home. And I, uh, he was uh, he was working security at the building there, and uh, nice young man. He loved boxing. I got him into boxing. I started taking him to the gym. I went to train. He started getting involved, and that's why he ended up 
marrying a young lady. I forgot how they were a fan. And uh, they got two little girls down. And uh, Richie's a good band. They live in Texas now. And, and uh, I'm so proud of him because he turned to be a nice young family man to where I like to see uh, our young folks get together and make a nice family life. And Richard is that kind of a guy. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, That's, like I said, we appreciate it. Um, yeah, very thank much. you, thank, thank you. you, thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't say enough. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we'll hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Anytime you want, call me. Call me anytime. God bless you. Remember, keep your guards up at all times. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm fair, but I'm firm. Touch them up. All right. The Thanks legendary Joe Cortez. <laughs> Oh my God! How how legendary is that guy? Like literally, the more research you do, the more legendary he gets. Six-time Golden Gloves champ. Like yeah. I said, he freaking judged Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard. That's that's one of the biggest rivalries in boxing of all time. I know. Then you look into the refereeing, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. Oscar De La Hoya versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Mayweather versus Hatton. Mayweather versus um, Ortiz, like we spoke about yep. earlier. Pacquiao Marquez. I mean, Canelo versus Josecito Lopez. Like, literally every big boxer. Mike Tyson. I mean, the list. George Foreman. I yep. mean, the list continues. And, like, you're researching all these different fighters and these different events and these different, uh, you know, fights. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's done it all. Oh, I know. And it's, it's it's actually kind of surreal when was... he like talks about being in the ring with Robert Durant, Roberto Duran and like Mayweather and I mean that's it's kind of surreal to know that he was like, you know, right there rubbing shoulders with those guys and calling those huge like talking to history fights. Yeah, I mean like these fights that are going down in history, you know, and I think that's Super cool. Uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for you know cooler person to be on the podcast. I mean, wow. Yeah, awesome, man. Super. super cool. That's a big one, man. That's a big one in 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 the sports category for sure. Just oh, an yeah. OG. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Uh, man, like, I mean, I I I I probably could have thought of like three or four more more questions, but you know, being conscious of his time and everything. But you know, there's so many questions you can ask someone who uh you know who who uh ref some of the biggest fights i mean i, I could probably think of like three or four like off the top of my head but uh i felt bad because we kind of asked him a lot i felt like we went yeah. over the time yeah sorry guy <laughs> i mean just the more you talk to him the more you want to know the more you want like a legit opinion like i can ask not, not nothing against you but like you or you know my neighbor or whatever what they think about x y and z it's like well they don't have the credentials they don't have the knowledge they don't have the experience like joe cortez does so exactly i had a couple questions that yeah you could talk to lj about or i could talk to you know my buddies about but i if you want a legit fucking validated answer <laughs> there yeah you ask joe cortez <laughs> yeah the guy he who's... had the opportunity to ask yeah the man yeah uh shit yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um if you want to know a legit question about a sport you ask the people who are in the sport and he's you know in the damn sport i mean if i wanted to know i don't know like exactly hey, what you just said hey, yeah. I want I want to ask a question about basketball. I'm asking Phil Jackson. Yeah. I'm asking Pat Riley. Exactly. exactly. If I want to ask a question about football, I'm asking Tom fucking Brady. Jimmy Jones, yeah. Terry Bradshaw. I, yeah. I, I want to <laughs> ask a question about boxing. I asked Joe Cortez. God damn it. Exactly, dude. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know the whole um. McGregor, and, and you know uh, the best part about it is Alanaji story too. That's man. that's just crazy. I think that story's he insane. Didn't hold- he didn't hold back, buddy. No. I thought he was going to hold back. No, no. no. He, 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 uh, he talked about it, and that's awesome. Yeah. So basically, it was a slugfest. They both got the better of each other. It was dirty. It was a dog fight. It was a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, like I said, very uh, on the edge, it sounds like. But, I mean, I don't I don't know him too well, but just based off what I know, it sounds like a stand-up dude. Like, he would have said, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, of course May- May- Mayweather got the better of him. Or, you know, he got a good shot, but Polly was running the – I mean, he said it was 50-50. He said that they were both landing their shots, and – it was dirty, and and that's what we needed to hear. Like so, now every time that you hear 
you know, Polly dog and just drag uh, McGregor through this. It's like, I beat him up, you know. Well, no. And, yeah. and if you hear, I think we all knew that. McGregor. Anyways, yeah, I think we all knew that, anyways. Like, I think we all knew it was kind of close. Like, re- like right. regardless of what either one of them was saying, we, we knew it was a pretty close. They're, they're both hitting each other with some goddamn slugs, some, some shotguns. So, um, Man, I would have loved to been Some in hammers. I would have loved to been in that gym watching that fight. I'd paid for that. My God. Oh, four top primo, bro. Primo. I would have. I would have gave probably you know ha- like half a month's paycheck just to watch that bad boy, man. Jesus Christ, man. Cause that's man. Put, and, put me on the street. I'm not paying my rent. I'm there. <laughs> I don't care about the car note. I put me in the gym. I want to watch that. I'll walk. Yeah, yeah, I'll walk, man. But yeah, dope interview, man. Hope everyone liked the interview with the. Cool. Joe Cortez, man, super, super dope guy, super humble guy. Uh, went, He's one of them motherfuckers you, know, you just play Google me. Oh, you don't know who I am? Google, Google me. Yeah, I know. Dude, whenever you sent me that uh, picture of him in the ring with Mayweather and Ortiz, I was like, goo. That, that's a legendary photo. Gay. I'm posting <laughs> it. Oh, you have to. You have to. Yeah, you can. To. You have to. I got several. I got him with Oscar De La Hoya, him with Ooh. Tyson, him with McGregor, him with Mayweather. I'm, I'm, post, I'm Dude, posting the fuck out of I should have asked him if he was ever nervous to be in the same ring as Tyson. Because, you know, Mike Tyson swings for the fences, knocks, knocks heads off. I was wondering, though, like, were you ever nervous? Hell nah. He's Joe Cortez, goddamn. Uh, but still, that's Mike Tyson's dangerous fucking biting ears ass. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, man. Oh, man, but it's almost 2 p.m. for LJ. I apologize, buddy. It's almost 1 p.m. my time. We're old. We can't keep doing this for long. You know, we're, we're just a fucking some some I'm old retired. geezers just living, living life. <laughs> just living life. You yeah. know, Mike Jones, fucking Joe Cortez, ESG. Doesn't matter, right? Michelle Watterson. That doesn't matter. Oh, I mean. Who cares? Nah, we're shitty. <laughs> <laughs> we suck. <laughs> Oh man! Who you know, cares? not not to mention the people that we have on the way. Now nah, we're shitty. Um, uh, we should stop. Subscribe right now. on, <laughs> yeah. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud, IG, Instagram, Facebook. 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 Got you on any outlet possible. We're on it's Jay Hen, and that is and LB on wax. LB on wax the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you motherfucking boys. See you guys later.